This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always by my co-host Dylan Ray. We have with us today, we have Layden Force, who is the publisher of North American Whitetail Magazine. He is also the producer and host of North American Whitetail Television. Layden, thanks for being here, man. Oh, man, thanks for having me, uh, Jason. I really appreciate you and Dylan inviting me on. We've been talking about this here for a couple of years, and it just seems like we always have busy schedules. We're all running different different yeah. uh, directions, and it's hard to kind of catch up. Yeah. So to be, to have the opportunity to sit here with you guys today and the invite, man, I'm I'm really excited. Ah, so are we. We we like to uh, we always like to hear our our fellow hunters out there, and um, it's so crazy because a lot of you guys. Now, where are you based out of? So I'm based out of Missouri, Northeast Missouri. Okay, actually. and so it's for me. I'm on the West Coast, so. For us, like every like bow stuff, a lot of our stuff is winding down. It's yeah. um, you know, it ended last weekend. Rifle season start this weekend, and back there, you guys are a, a lot of you. I mean, there's been some stuff going, but most of you are just getting ratcheted up into full full speed ahead right now. For sure, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a busy time of year. You know, we've had a lot of these early whitetail seasons kick in. Uh, September one and September fifteen. We're we're the fifteenth here in Missouri, and um, because of my my co-host on the TV show or or editor in chief here at North American Whitetail, Haynes Shelton, deciding to get married the first week of September this year. Um, we're our our whole group's kind of like dumb. A week. <laughs> dumb. What what why why would you do that? 
Well, you know, and the funny thing I is, mean, he's a big bow hunter too, man. You know, and so we usually. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, it's I, not. You know yeah. how it is, man. We when we find that right girl, um, sometimes they can talk us into things, and they both they no. have birthdays on no. the September third, no. September third and fourth. <laughs> I no. hope if you it. find if you find the right girl, <laughs> yeah. If got if, if you're listening to the show, if you find the right girl, she will understand scheduling your wedding around hunting season she will if she's the right girl like you're saying she she will understand she'll be like yeah um so i've got one word i've got one worse than that i uh laden you probably know the article but a few years ago they put out an article and it was like the top 10 biggest known big butt killers in the world you know and if you could pick one day to hunt what would it be Every single one of them fell between October 31st and like November 14th. Right. Yep. Four of them, four of them said November 7th. And I had a kid born no on November 7th. Oh, man. Oh. It was horrible. I was literally <laughs> sitting in the yeah. hospital. I was sitting in the hospital and I got like six pictures of giants that my friends had killed. And I'm like, you guys suck. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you got to be well, careful. You know, I, I always so get you, that warning text early in the year that says, you know, remember when the rut falls. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's I'm nine kidding. months from Valentine's Day. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can tell you that uh, I've got two boys that uh, fell in um, the spring between January and March, late January and March, and then um, the third one I had no say in, and and uh, it was one of those moments. So he ended up being born uh, late September. We just celebrated his birthday here this last week. So, um, but that you know you can get in early the early openers. You can get in most of elk season, and then you can kind of transition there. So it's the last week of September is not warm, um, but I know Haynes, if Haynes is listening, he'd probably end up pointing the finger back at me because um, we were we were really busy. You know, we've been doing a lot of stuff with the brand over the last 18, 24 months. And, you know, a lot of that hard work comes during, uh, you know, those months of, of really March to, to June, um, because that's kind of our quiet time. You know, if, if there is a such thing here um, in today's content generation marketplace and um, we just, we're, we've been working really hard and he's been, he himself has dug in so hard for the brand. And, um, I think there were a couple of wedding dates that might've got pushed back that were in the spring due to, uh, maybe some work obligations. So he may turn around and say, well, man, you forced me to get married on our birthday, uh, which was September 3rd and 4th. And, but, uh, either way we went out and my, my family and I went out and joined him and it was a beautiful wedding. I'm happy for the both of them. And I guess we'll always have something to remember Haynes by as the rest of us are out hunting, uh, you know, whatever it might be the first week of September in the future. And he's on his anniversary. So, yeah, well, good for him. Does she, does she like to bow hunt? Yeah. If she doesn't, I think she's let's, going, I think Maddie let's hope so. Hey, it happened. Yeah. It happened yeah. for Lee and Tiffany. Remember they told us that, that their anniversary was like, what? Always during their mule deer hunt or something. Yeah. yeah. Always Utah mule deer. So, you know, I was, and I they was, seem to be doing I, great. Yeah, they, they're all right. Yeah. Well, I, I, they, I remember right. I think they had bows in their wedding pictures, almost as if they were walking yeah. out the door uh, to go on a, on a bow hunt themselves yeah. after the wedding. So, which knowing them, they probably were. They're hunting all yeah, the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They're, they're bow hunting all the time for sure. So, well, that's great. Well, Layden, tell tell folks. Uh, I'm sure most of our fo- most of our listeners and members know all about North American whitetail, but maybe for the two that don't, yeah, tell it. Tell us about 
what you're doing with the magazine, the TV show. Give us give us the uh, kind of the rundown of what you guys do over there. Yeah, it's for exciting. sure. Well, man, it, it's a it's a privilege to work with this brand, such a you know a legacy brand, much like Pope and Young and and the club. You know this this brand far supersedes me even uh, being born actually by about two years. Uh, we had our 40th anniversary uh, this year. We're celebrating it with our October issue here at North American Whitetail. We've got a couple uh, great episode or issues in our September and October issues. We made a two part. Uh, uh, campaign that celebrated the history of North American whitetail, who's been a part of it, some of the the deer that have been, you know, milestones that we've covered over the years. But really, you know, this brand has been focused. It was founded in 82 as a as a magazine um, by by uh, some folks like David Morris, maybe that you're familiar with or um, you know, Gordon Whittington from the beginning, Gordon Whittington is still, he's, he retired last year as our editor in chief after 36 and a half years, but, um, he's still an emeritus or in the emeritus status, which means he's, you know, kind of a, a consultant for the brand and still works and writes for us, um, with regularity, but founded on the idea of being the reporting source on large deer that have been harvested, um, across North America, uh, whitetail specifically, of course. And then uh, also really prided ourselves on land management. We have a, a, a deep rooting of land management, um, education, research and development. Uh, we have, you know, over three decades of research and development down at um, the Institute there with Dr. James Kroll at Stephen F. Austin. And uh, then also the, the big thing uh, that comes as pillar number three is how to and, and gear over the years, you know, over 40 years, there's a lot of how to that comes from folks like Gordon or Dr. Kroll or, or you know, David Morris or um, Greg Miller. You know, you go down the list of all these these great writers and whitetail hunting influencers and bow hunters, a lot of them, you know, bow hunters that have really shaped, um, you know, the the thought process and skill sets of uh, uh, whitetail hunters across North America. And, you know, it's been a, a just a great delivery over the years, four decades, like I said, um, it evolved into TV 20 years ago, which we're filming our 20th. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 2003 will be our 20th broadcast season, which means they started filming in 2002. Um, so we're, we're filming our 20th season this fall um, and it's distributed on outdoor channel and sportsman's channel both now. And that, that has a lot to do with who owns us. We're owned by the outdoor sportsman group, which includes other brands like bow hunter magazine and Peterson's bow hunting and Peterson's hunting yep. um, in fishermen, game and fish uh, guns and ammo. So we're part of a, a pretty neat group of, of brands that are much like ourselves, you know, that have been built over decades and and really yeah. you know, built this, this great foundation around, um, you know, providing education, um, not so much entertainment. There's some entertainment in there, but a lot of it's just founded around education and awareness of what's going on. And, you know, each of those little niche subjects or, or categories of outdoorsmen. So it's pretty neat. And uh, I guess, you know, we're, we're really kind of starting to turn the corner into the next generation of, of North American whitetail. And, you know, now that we've had linear and we've had the magazine, we're really looking at digital and um, employed a, a big campaign last year that was really founded around breaking uh, breaking news bucks, which is uh, uh, the digital extension of what we've done for for 40 years, which is big buck coverage. Yeah. And man, it has just the 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 audience and the the marketplace, man, this community of, of bow hunters and whitetail hunters, um, deer hunters in general has just really embraced it. And we've seen such big growth and 
we're we're already 40, 46% year to date above where we were with that digital growth last year, which was a record year nice. for us after 40 years. So we're, you know, we got a great team of young guys. We've got the encouragement and wisdom and uh, of, you know, guys like Gordon and Dr. Kroll right there behind us pushing and helping and and really kind of trying to turn that page into uh, what North American Whitetail will be for hopefully the next four generations. Nice. That's that's exciting. So if you had to pick one story from the last year, which one are you going to pick? What would you tell us about? Oh, man, there are so many. Um you know, we just, and we actually just worked with you guys. It's, it's a real neat story uh, that we just published in um, our October issue, Nicole Miller, um, which mm-hmm. you guys are, I, I believe are going to um, speak with Nicole as well here before too long. But uh, a gal killed what we believe is the largest typical, and we we're working to confirm that officially with you all, but the largest typical taken by vertical bow by a female. Um, and it, somehow or another kind of floated under the radar, which is unbelievable. You know, you think about a deer that goes over 190 inches typical from the state of Ohio and, and um, it really like people knew about it, but people didn't, it just didn't register that, Hey, this is a potential, you know, record world record um, for a female taken hunter taken uh, typical whitetail deer. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that story and it hitting the marketplace here right now. It's on, on newsstand and Nicole's been a great gal uh, to work with, with our staff and Haynes and Blake have had more attachment and more communication with her. But every time I've talked to her, man, she is just, she's a bow hunter and she is just a deer hunter and she's oh, yeah. oh, just as gritty as anybody, you know? And so I always think it's neat that, you know, we kind of break beyond um, any barriers or or thought processes that folks might have uh, as to what a, a whitetail hunter is or or what a bow hunter is, and and see a gal like Nicole have such success and hit such a you know a neat milestone um, with that deer particularly. So I'm I'm pretty excited about yeah. that one as far as this year goes. That's that's I was just talking to Tam, our records director. I think it was yesterday about that, and he was trying to do some research because we don't keep records. Um, like we're we're just a records organization. You want to talk about the most equal opportunity in the world? It's like we're just hey, we have one record book. It's for everybody. We don't right. care how, how tall you are, what gender you are, what color. We don't care. There's one record book. We're completely uh, non biased. And so Tim was telling me he's like, okay, he's like, I'm looking through the records. We don't keep track of gender. So he's like. I'm I'm trying to read through. He says some of them are, you know, like like very, you know, obvious. Like Nicole is typically a, a, a lady's name, but he says, what what about Corey or Tony? And right. I'm like, dude, I don't know how you do that. Because now all of a sudden we're pulling like, you know, we're going back to to Chatfield, pulling files out of these file cameras to look at the field photos, you know, just to see. So see what you um, can pull. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Haynes, Haynes talked about that after getting to chat with you guys, um, you know, when he yeah. first made the discovery and he, he and Gordon were talking about it. He tabled Haynes, you know, and kudos to him. And it really speaks to how well, you know, even at the age of 28, he knows the whitetail marketplace. But he's like, man, he started doing the research. He's like, I don't recall. You know, he's been here for about seven years. He's like, I don't recall right. about seven years. Um, a typical whitetail that's been taken that that was was that big by vertical bow by by a lady and um, so then he started right. digging around some more and he's like well it's for sure an Ohio record and uh, reached out to you guys and and he was talking about that specifically uh, the conversation is like well you know there's there's the the Tonys and it, like to your point yeah yeah 
it's it's hard to tell because some of the earliest deer taken, you know, over a century ago, um, it, there's really you, you don't know for sure. It's just a name and a score, yeah. you know, some of these. Yeah, but it, it's pretty well, neat. It's, way. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it is. So it's been neat to to see that process kind of play out. So it's uh, now. Now, what is your hunting look like this year have you been out i so i have i i was hunting uh kansas uh that well the week after i got back from haynes's wedding uh, I, I got to go over and hunt kansas and we we got a lease together our, our team here at north american whitetail and you know we're we're as we kind of look at turning the page we're trying to look at ways that you know hey let's just face it um the perception of the whitetail hunter out there is that they all hunt um 5,000 acres in the midwest and they've got the best food plots and all this great stuff and and every advantage they need to or they go hunt with an outfitter um, and the outfitter puts them in the stand and they're just a trigger man, you know, kind of thing. And um, each one of, of our team members, look, we respect whatever you're doing from a standpoint of, of bow hunting, as long as it is ethical and, and legal. Like, hey, we embrace you, man, because we need all of our hunters um, today, you know, in this marketplace. And uh, we don't draw any lines. We celebrate all of you and, and really celebrate the, the whitetail deer. And um, we just want to make sure that, you know, we're doing our best as a, as a team and as a brand to get out and experience um, the different things. But most of us guys here grew up, you know, um, blue collar, hardworking families, farm kids. I was, a, you know, a farm kid in Northeast Missouri. Haynes is uh, dad and grandpa have a, a three gener or third generation construction business there in the Carolinas. Blake comes from a family of contractors. So we grew up you know, with little farms or sometimes uh, bigger pieces of ground that we got to go in and manage. And we really hadn't done that as a team yet on one specific property where we went in from start to finish, um, got a lease like any other any other guy would do in another state, um, started from the ground up, found ways to to do a little bit of, of uh, weed management, weed control, timber management, water management, um, planted food plots, got stands hung, blinds placed. And really allows for us to kind of go through the process and document it. So, um, you know, that's how we like to hunt. Number one, it's how we were raised hunting. But then number two, it just allows for people to kind of build a, an opinion of us um, that is maybe not so uh, slighted one direction, you know, that that, right. that typical perception of of the TV guys. But um, yeah, so you're going to go earn it. Oh yeah, we earned it, man. And we're, yeah. we're still earning it. And uh, went over and hunted that Kansas lease. And, and uh, I got on a deer that we had a couple pictures of him in July. Uh, he's a big nine pointer and I'm, you know, our thoughts are that he'll be 160 inches plus. Um, it's the biggest nine pointer I've, I've ever hunted in the field, uh, five by four and I uh, got in on him and hunted the first three days, never had an experience, went to uh, the other side of the farm to, to try and actually hunt a couple of other deer that had been popping on an alfalfa field. And that guy walked out at 74 yards right behind me, uh, unfortunately, directly downwind. Um, so uh, we had a great experience with him. And then we had a little family thing I had to run back home for. And I haven't been out since we've had a that's been two weeks ago. and We've had a lot of stuff going on here at the house, but I'm going to go out for the first time in Missouri tonight, actually. So we're okay. going to hit the woods and nothing real big here in Missouri this year that I'm chasing, but just some good, solid, mature deer and, and, uh, man, I love chasing with my stick and string, uh, when they, when yeah. they age, you know? Yeah. And it's so, it, we're just talking about this just right before we jumped on, but it's so crazy because you guys are just getting ramped up and mm -hmm. on the West we're, we're almost done. I mean, our, our yeah. main seasons ended last Sunday. And so it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. You know, one thing I, 
I've got to talk about. It's not a whitetail thing, but you know, I, I spent some time at elk camp this year. Yeah. And I had a, uh, so I, I'm going to ask you, what's one of the weirdest, strangest things that's happened to you either out in the woods or on a hunting trip? I mean, is there something that stands out where you're just like, dude, I heard something that's not right. Or I saw something or this was just, <laughs> so late. What, you know, drop it on us. What is your, what's something that happened that was just odd that you're just like, I'm not oh, sure weird. about there's there's been some weird stuff over the years um you know I've, I've got a buddy on his way over here and we're gonna shoot some content for the guys at Botech him a little bit and uh, we we went on an elk hunt talking about elk camp we went on an elk hunt about three years ago in Colorado south central Colorado right up on the continental divide and I uh, had a big snowstorm come in on us and it ended up dropping between two and three feet. And so most of the areas that we'd hunt, you know, there it, it was in areas as deep as waist high snow. And it really right. kind of just changed our whole hunt. And we found one basin that had about 12 to 18 inches of snow instead of three feet. And um, so we, we ended up hiking back up in there and got into some elk and um, one of our buddies killed. And then uh, I got real close that night and we thought, all right, well, we're going to go get all of our camp hike it back up. It was about, I don't know, it's about six miles back up in there. Not, not real far, but six miles and got everything set. The whole group of us, five or six of us there. And, and, uh, just a weird encounters. Like the whole time we were going up, we ran into a guy that was coming down and you could just tell he was out of sorts. And I didn't notice it at the time, but his, you know, he had a quiver full of arrows that were half broken and, and apparently one of his cables on his bow were cut, um, or just about cut. And I just didn't catch it. But then, the next group of people came up behind us and they asked us, did you see that guy? And he was just real weird when we talked to him about stuff. Right. The guys behind us said, well, did you see that guy? And, and uh, did you hear what happened? You know, that snowstorm came in, he left his whole camp up there and a bear, he came back and a bear had ravaged his whole tent and his bow was in there and huh. you know, saw the, saw bears on the way out. And so we're, I just, I, at one point I turned to my uncle and my cousin that were there hunting with us as well. And I said, you know, do you get the sense that like people just don't want us here? You know, we were hunting national forest grounds. Like you right. get the sense that like the three people we've talked to every single one of them is like, why are you here? And, and uh, public ground, but you know, just kind of like, all right, whatever. Maybe, maybe we kind of stumbled into a few people's spot, you know, they felt like it was their yeah. spot. And uh, we went on ahead, had, had camp set, everybody's excited we saw a few more elk that night and, and didn't arrow any elk but um that night we all went to bed not not too long after dark we you know we we're pretty tuckered out we'd been um down the mountain back up and, and uh you know how when you're on the mountain you're at 11 you know five we were about 11 five there right next to the continental divide and there's thin and and you're just worn out and if, you just and, boom. and if you've never been at 11 five you don't know what that means. Right. Yeah, you, exactly. You can't, yeah. Until you're there and all of a sudden you have to walk up three steps and you're like winded because the altitude, you just can't get enough oxygen sometimes. So until yeah. you've been there, you just don't know. No, you don't. And it just wears your butt out, you know? And so yeah. we, we all had had a, a mountain house and, and uh, we had climbed into our tents and you know how you when you you fall asleep because you're worn out, you just fall asleep. You're just out. And those first 30 minutes, man, you're just gone. And um, I remember being probably 20 minutes into it, and I just heard this blood curdling yell. When, you know, it's pitch black dark, the moon's not up. I mean, it just blood curdling yell that woke me up out of this dream I was having. And uh, I like one of those moments where you know something's wrong, but you can't really figure it out. And uh, you're coming yeah. to you're I not mean, sure where you are. 
You're like, oh, no, that's exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. We had no clue. Like, I'm, I'm in a tent. Like, what is happening? I'm worn out. And um, all of a sudden, I recognize my buddy, Zach. I recognize his voice. And he's like, get out of here. Again, and at that point in time, like, it's starting to register. Like, oh, that's somebody I know. And he's yelling. And, uh, like, he's yelling right. because, you know, it, it's weird. You know, like, there's something threatening going on. And um, there is a sense of urgency when somebody yells like that. Oh man. And, and you know, and, and yeah. most of us had a sidearm um, at that point in time. So we, you know, we had a sidearm and you kind of are feeling around in the dark for it and don't know if you should turn your headlight on or you don't know what, <laughs> to do, you know, at this point in time. And, and uh, it starts to like, starts to register. And I hear my uncle in the other tent, of course, Zach was the only, we had about five tents there. We had five or six of us. And uh, Zach was the only guy that slept on the other side of the fire. Everybody else's tents were in a row right next to each other. Zach's right? tent on the other side. There's always one. There's Every always kid one has guy. that one guy yeah. that does it. Yep. And of course it was him, man. And and so my uncle and I are coming to, we're kind of the first two out of our out of our tent trying to figure out like what's going on. You can hear us unzipping and and uh right. in end all, Zach had fallen asleep like the rest of us and wakes up to huffing in his ear, and he had his head up against the edge of his tent and he could hear the huff in his ear. And he said, you know, I knew immediately once I came to that, it was a bear and I just couldn't, he's like, I didn't know what to do. Cause I could feel like that dude breathing in my ear through the tent. And uh, wow. he said, so all I did was yelled and punched at the same time, you know, he's kind of laying there and he said, I just yelled and he said, I made contact with something. And he said, I'm just assuming it's his nose. And he said, you could just hear the, the most awful, uh, you know, just skirmish of the, the bear trying to get his feet together and everything right. and get out of there. And, and so that's where we all woke up. And man, I'm telling you that that shook me. I'd never been shook really and really thought that much about right. being out in the woods. And that night I got shook pretty good. And I don't know that I slept another five minutes the rest of the night. And uh, we had a bunch of little camp mice that were running around on all the logs around the camp. Uh, right. Of course, we built, we built a bear fence out of logs and everything we could find around our tents. And all night long, man, you'd hear those mice go scurrying across the branch and you'd your eyes would come back up, yeah. uh, but yeah. it was, it was a bear. We had, you know, we had snow on the ground. You could see the tracks come right up to the side of his tent, right where he was laying and turn around and run right back down into the woods. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, there, there were some aggressive bears there uh-huh. on the side of that mountain. We had uh, one of the other guys had an encounter the next day and I saw another one. And so they were just, I don't, I don't know if it was the snow or what it was. I, I don't know black bears real well yet, and, uh, but they were definitely, they were a little aggressive right there on that mountain, and that shook yeah. us. Yeah, I had, uh, I had, I maybe shouldn't tell the story. I had something similar happen, and I thought it was a bear, a wolf. A, I didn't know what it was, mountain lion, but uh, brush up against my tent, and I punched, and it ran off. And I, I'm like, man, same deal. Couldn't go back to sleep, and I'm like, dude, what is? It happened again. Brush. I could see the shadow brush right up against the side of my tent. And I'd punch again and run off. And I'm like, dude, what is this? So I couldn't sleep all night. And I wake up the next morning and go about my day and making breakfast or whatever. And this lady walks up the road from a camp down the mountain. She says, listen, I have a blind dog. And it, it happened to have got lost last night. You haven't seen it, have you? And I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, I didn't see it, but uh, I think but I, punched, I punched it twice. <laughs> punched it a few times, I think, and uh, <laughs> we ended up finding it. And like, after I saw it, I'm like, yep, that's exactly what was brushing up against my tent last night. Yep. Dang it! Oh, oh, yeah, man, 
That's cruel. You're mean. <laughs> Dude, it was a big old, big old chocolate lab. Like, yeah. I had no idea. And I was just like, God, Lee, it was, yeah. So, blind dog puncher. Golly. Yeah. Man. I thought that's, his, that's your, that's his, your, your new Indian name. I like it. Blind, blind dog puncher. I like it. So, I, I, I'll tell you what, I had one that happened to me this year and it wasn't like super spooky. Like, I've had, you know, my little brother, he spent a lot of time out in the woods. And so he's seen, he's literally seen cougars jump, come out of trees onto elk. Mm. And, you know, he's walked around, like he came out of the brush one time, walked around his truck. And, and as he's opening his driver's side door, he looks back to his tailgate and a cougar walks out behind him and is six feet from him. And it's like, and he, and, and that's through some brush. You can't, it's, this is like reproduction, reprod stuff. And, and he's like, that was a little bit weird, but I didn't have anything quite that interesting, but it was, but it kind of shook me because it was just so interesting. So Dylan, you'll, you might remember this. So last year, um, I left elk camp and I, and I helped my buddy. I got a buddy who lets me hunt kind of on the ranch and around the ranch in Eastern Oregon. And so on Monday after the season, I help him pick up blinds and tree stand seat pads and cameras and all this stuff. And then I clear out my camp and, and I head home. And last year I'm cruising along and I'm, you know, doing 70 miles an hour. Or if there's any law enforcement people listening, 55 not over yeah. 55. And I mean, I've got a truckload of stuff because I, I go in there early and I just leave my camp for the whole season. Then I come and go, you know, on the weekends and stuff. And so, I mean, I've got a full, my truck bed, you couldn't have fit a roll of toilet paper into the canopy. I have a roof rack with, with, you know, ground blinds and pop-up tents and everything on top and a, and a little trailer pulling the quad. So I mean, I'm loaded down, I'm rolling down the highway. I'm like, I had six hours of driving. I'm just trying to get home. And last year, as I was leaving out camp, you know, middle of the day, two o'clock or whatever, I'm in the middle of national forest. It's a really good road. It's a paved road. So I'm rolling down and you look off to the left and there's this little meadow that's just beautiful. It's just a little beautiful, lush green meadow. And I'm leaving El camp. I hadn't connected last year and, and I'm going along and here is this beautiful, majestic six point bull out all over there just with his head up and he turns around and I slowed. I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at that. <laughs> and I slowed down and he kind of turns and just walks back into the timber. And I'm like, thanks brother. I'll see you next year. And it was almost, I viewed that as kind of almost a nod where it's just like really a cool thing. He's like, Hey man, you know, respect. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm like, all right, you got me this year, but, but next year. So, so anyway, that was kind of a neat thing. And we talked about it. I think even on the podcast, Dylan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so, so this year, same thing. We clean up all the blinds, get the cameras put away. I load my camp and I'm hauling down the road. And as I'm going through the same area, I'm just like, dude, I wonder if I can find, I just have to look at that same meadow because it was just so cool. And, and I'm just like, okay, it was, no, it wasn't that one. That was too big. And I, and I come around this little corner and I'm like, holy crap, here's the meadow. I found it. 
And I'm, you know, driving along at highway speeds and there's no traffic. I'm the only one there. And I'm like, that bull elk is in the same exact meadow in the same place on the same day as I'm leaving elk camp for the second year in a row. And I'm, and it really weirded me out because this is, I mean, this is public domain. Um, and it just, man, it was one of those things where even now it's, it's, you know, days later and I'm still a little bit rattled. Cause now like last year, I thought it was a nod. I was like, Hey brother, you know, <laughs> you know, good, good fencing with you in the woods, you know? And, and now I'm kind of like, dude, are they mocking me? Are they, you know, is he telling me something? Is this like an omen? I think you need to see if that meadow is huntable. It sounds like to me. Oh, it is. It's a hundred percent. Absolutely. But it's like, you know, what are the chances of seeing an, uh, an elk in the middle of the day? Yeah. Big mature bull, six point bull in exactly the same place, two years in a row to, to the hour. I mean, it's just, it's just weird. And so stuff like that, you know, cause this isn't, you know, this isn't a 40 acre chunk of ground. This is millions upon millions of acres and hundreds of square miles of wilderness. And then here this guy is. And so for me, I've had a lot of interesting things happen in the woods. I've had some weird ones, but for me, that is in a hunting situation I got to admit that one kind of rattled me a little bit. I'm like, I don't know what it means. Maybe it means nothing. Maybe it means that, holy crap, I wish you'd have found the meadow and been in there on Sunday instead of driving by it Monday. Maybe that's what it means. But it just, it was, year before it was so perfect. And then here it is completely perfect again. Uh, anyway, so that, that was mine. That's cool. I, I like, I like those kind of stories a lot better than bears next to my head at night. Oh man, I'll tell you, I'm not sure which one's more frustrating. Cause it's like, you know, if, if a bear is close enough to kill me, I'm close enough to kill him. That, but you know, point. Here, you know, here I am this elk and, and it wasn't far. It's not like 300 yards away. This thing's like 65, 70. Uh, it's probably a little more. It was probably about 90 yards, mm-hmm. but just, I mean, I don't know. So that one still has me going. I, I just couldn't can't wrap my head around it so maybe i need to go find like a shrink or something or a you know medicine work, work man or something. That one. yeah like work through that one with them yeah so is that is that my spirit animal maybe my dylan what if my spirit animal is a big bull elk not a duck that would be interesting yeah <laughs> that would be life that'd be life changing so anyway um so that's mine. I had to tell, I had to talk about it. And I was, I was telling Dylan, I was like, dude, some of these things, I don't expect people to believe me because it's just so far fetched, but it's honestly happened. It's legit. So spend enough time out in the woods and you'll have some of those little omens as well. Little, little happenings, man. Yeah. Uh, anybody that spent some time out in the woods, uh, especially in, in bow hunting format, you know, like you're, you're going to have some of those encounters and some of those cool moments that you, you know, you, that are just very personal and uh, yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't have them otherwise, but yeah, I'd say there's a lot of bow hunters out there listening right now that can relate to that. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm just, 
I don't know. It's I, I looked at it and I was like, man, this has to mean something. This is a good last year. I'm like, this is a good sign. This year, I'm like, those those buggers are mocking me, man. They're like, ha ha, two years in a row, you didn't get one of us. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, it's it's interesting. But what do you think, Dylan? Um, I maybe I'm just a boring hunter. I don't get exciting stories. Other than punching blind dogs. I don't know. <laughs> blind dog puncher. I can't oh, let my mom listen to that. She's <laughs> that'll well, get me in trouble. <laughs> see, see, that's how you know you may not be in the middle of the wilderness if if the blind dog is finding you. That's, it's yeah, like, well, yeah. was this at the back somebody's backyard? Where was this? Um, it was not on a hunt. Like, so I was like at a lake okay. like, camping with my family. Um, but still. <laughs> It was in bear country, so I thought, like, you have no idea. I mean, there's there's definitely been uh, mountain lions in the area um, confirmed. It was it was in the middle of the, the Arkansas mountains, and so there's mountain lions and bears, and, I mean, I had no idea what it was, yeah. but it freaked me out. See, ba- mountain lions and bears don't – maybe they should. I don't know. Maybe they, they freak me out because we had some people, you know, I, Nice thing is I'm around folks who are coming in from all over the country, mm-hmm. you know, to hunt. So you get to interact with them and visit with them. And, and, you know, a lot of these guys are coming in and they're, they're packing their, you know, 10 mil Glocks. And, and I'm just like, what, what, you know, and, and they're yeah. talking about, you know, this guy, uh, you know, the, the, the effectiveness of a 10 millimeter versus, you know, a nine or 40 or whatever. And, and I'm like, what's coming after you that you feel like you need a gun for in Eastern Oregon? Like, like, okay, maybe a bear, but you know, even a big bears, you know, three, 400 pounds, they're just not, they're not coming after you or or a cougar. And we did have a a cat on the place. We got him on camera. And so, but it's like, you know, those cats know you're walking through the woods. you, You don't walk like, that's what I told him. I said, you know, if a cat sees me, the way I'm walking, unless I'm stalking something, but when I'm walking in and out of a tree stand or a ground blind or something, I'm not walking like prey. I think a cat can look and say, oh, crap, that's the alpha predator. I'm out of here. You know, they're, they're not going to, they don't want to try you. And so anyway, yeah, we had one guy. He actually was in a great spot. He left his ground blind and walked out early because he, he's like, dude. Did you hear those coyotes? Are they coming after us? No, no, the coyotes are not coming after you. But. Yeah, so somebody that's unfamiliar with it, it, it can definitely it can work on their nerves a little bit. There's no doubt about that. But I, I'll tell you, man, I've only seen one mountain lion in the wild, and uh, definitely won't forget it. They're they're 100, you know, the the 20x version of your your modern house cat. You know, so those things yeah. are just your little feeble. Or not feeble, but your your very athletic uh, house cats do, where they they jump four feet yep. in the air to a spot or six feet in the air that you know is six seven times their height, and you're like, wow, well that's a, a hundred plus animal, you know, hundred pounds in some cases uh, yep. on the bigger side that can do the same. And when you realize, um, yeah. yeah, that's what they are, you go, wow, <laughs> all right, I might. For once, you yeah. don't necessarily feel as much like a, an apex predator, right? Um, because they're yeah. just they're such amazing animals and uh, i've seen some bears do some crazy stuff too just yeah they're so strong oh man yeah Yeah, there's not there's not many things like if i see what it is it doesn't scare me 
Like right. if I can see the bear, I'm not afraid. If I can see the mountain lion, whatever. If I can see the rattlesnake, whatever. But when you're walking through Texas and you just hear, you're like, oh snap. And you don't see it. That's when I'm terrified. <laughs> like when you know something's there, but you can't see it. That's when it's scary. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah when I, it's I was, and you know, those predators like that, the, uh, I've only seen, you know, one mountain lion while I was actively hunting in a tree stand. And yes, I missed him. Um, <laughs> but you know what? He walked across on a trail at 70 and they never stop. That's the difference. Like if you watch yeah. a deer or an elk or anything else, they take a few steps, they stop, they nibble, they browse. Those, those predators, they don't stop. They yeah. just go. And I saw that cougar was the same thing. He walked across 70 yards, hit this timber line. It came straight down the hill and he never stopped. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this year I was sitting in my tree stand. And I'm just, I'm looking there and, and sometimes I've got a little computer game on my phone that I'll, I'll play just killing time, trying to stay awake. And, uh, and so I'm looking down, I'm, I'm and literally over the top of my phone, I see movement and it's not uncommon because my tree stand, there's a trail that goes kind of at the bottom. So I'll have deer or occasionally elk or something walk right literally within inches of my, of my ladder. When I looked down, it was a bobcat. And this thing, sure enough, man, walked by, walked all the way across this meadow, up the, up into the timber on the other side, never stopped, and completely silent. And, I mean, as, as much as a deer or an elk can be quiet, this thing wasn't quiet. It was silent. And it's, um, you know, last year I spent some time in the woods, and it was a uh, – like at first, like earlier, you're talking about the mice and the squirrels. You're like, oh, I hear noise. And then you realize, oh, no, deer aren't that noisy. It's got to right. be a squirrel. Yeah. yeah. So what's, yeah. Um, so are, are you, what is, if you had to pick one laden this fall, what's, what's a hunt that you're maybe the most excited about? Is there one where you're just like, I cannot wait to get here? Yeah, I, I mean, I've got a couple of them. I'm kind of going to do the Plain State uh, tour this year. So I've got uh, Kansas tag, Nebraska tag, um, South Dakota, North Dakota tag. And then I got an in, an informal invite to maybe go to Saskatchewan for the first time and, and hunt uh, deer. And so that'd be my first deer hunt north of the border, which I'd be really excited about. And the guy that invited me, I'd be even more excited about going with. I got to do a bear hunt with him this year, and it was pretty darn cool. So I'm, I'm really hoping that works out. But, man – the area that I hunt in North Dakota, um, I've hunted up there on, on a guy's ground here the last couple of years that only allows bow hunting, um, big ranch there and, and has quite a bit of public land in the area too. And it's just a cool spot in Southwest North Dakota, right on the little Missouri river. And, um, for folks that don't realize that country exists, it's kind of big badlands and, and breakish country mixed together right there on the little Missouri and it is such a cool spot in America. Um, I, I was telling somebody the other day, uh, in one set last fall, we saw white-tailed deer, uh, mule deer, uh, antelope, elk. We had two just monster bull elk come cruising cruising by, of course, within bow range. And, you know, I, I don't have a, a North Dakota elk tag. Um, but then also a bighorn sheep, you know. Wow, so, that's it, cool. It, yeah. And, like, where where else do you get to do that? You definitely don't really expect to see them there. Um, yeah. But it's it's big country and it's just beautiful. And there's a lot of, a lot of history. Um, Custer and, and his men used to come through that area uh, quite a bit. And so they find a lot of artifacts from 
you know, the, the Civil War era or the, you know, the, the, um, I should say settlers or pioneer era there, uh, either way, uh, you want to look at that, but, but it's, it's just a really neat area and, and you disappear. I mean, you know, there's only a house every 10 miles kind of thing. And so, yeah. um, you're kind of getting out into the, some of that big open country. So I, I really look forward to going out there. It's just a neat place. Um, but yeah, I'd say probably, probably that hunt South Dakota has a special place in my heart too. Um, I've taken a couple, I've taken my biggest mule deer out there and, um, should have taken my, my biggest one again out there last year and just had an unfortunate situation that occurred there and we couldn't find him. Um, and so just cool places, man. I love to hunt those big open areas, spot and stock on the ground with my bow, um, with deer, whether it be mule deer or whitetail. And, um, I just, man, I, I think it kind of epitomizes what bow hunting is. And, uh, I have a hard time getting away from those two States. I really, that's do. cool. Yeah. Yep. You know, you mentioned something there, the spot and stock. It's, you know, for Western hunters and, and blacktail mule deer, that's, that's just part of life. Mm-hmm. And then you talk to whitetail guys and man, what? You would yeah. get out of your tree stand? I'm like, oh, yeah. hey, there's, there's no, there's sagebrush. There ain't a tree within 30 miles of that place. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, it's just for a lot of them, it's so foreign because they don't even, like in a lot of places, and I'm not saying nobody does it, but the percentage is so low that in a lot of places, they don't even consider it. Like they see a buck at 200 yards and nobody thinks about going after it. Right. They just think, wow, I hope it comes by me tomorrow. You know I mean? It's, yeah. it's such a different mentality that you see on the West. You're like, oh man, that mule deer is going to migrate 300 miles this year. So if I want a chance at him, it's right now. now it's yeah. now or it's potentially never. Yeah. Yeah. I just like that mono e mono. Um, you know, and I, I grew up a very competitive individual, was involved in, in different activities and athletics. And I kind of feel like that's the extension of that in my life and what I do in hunting is that, you know, you kind of you prepare for it all year long. You make sure that you're shooting your bow, you make sure that you've got the right gear, you know, from the kind of boots that you're wearing to the kind of clothes that you're wearing, even the, the hat or stocking cap that you're wearing, the kind of optics that you're using. Like, you know, that's that's what we geek out about for nine months of the year or eight months of the year until bow season lands. And, and so I've, I've really learned to appreciate that spot and stock style because you really can put all your, your gear to the test and you put your skills to the test in most cases. Um, you know, and I, I wouldn't take anything away from bow hunters that sit in a tree 20 feet high um, right. because it's a chess match and you put a lot of time in and you really have to understand your animals and what you're doing and your, you know, your landscape, your environment, your ecosystem. And, um, that's a game in itself, which I, I also thoroughly enjoy playing, but yeah, for me, man, I, I like getting on the ground, ground level and, um, you know, going, going one-on-one with those big deer and mature deer and seeing how they, they engage and interact. And, you know, it's just, a, it's a neat feeling, man. It really is. It is. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's different. And once again, I'm not taking anything away. Like you say, not taking anything away from ambush predators. I, I like that. I, I elk a lot out of ground blinds and tree stands. So I, I totally get that. And, and I had uh antelope tag in Oregon this year for the first time in a decade or more. <laughs> and uh, man, I spent some 16 hour days out in the desert in ground blinds and yeah. you have to be dedicated to do that. And, and, and as soon as I thought there, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should get out of here. Maybe I should just, you know, glass something up and and go spot and stock. And then all of a sudden, you realize no, because they can see me at like a mile away, and a and I'm not a mile sneaky. Like yeah. I'm the last 200 yards sneaky. I'm not a mile sneaky. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I'm I'm too old 
to to really belly crawl anymore. I used man, I used to belly crawl to like for anything, like shoot mergansers on the river, whatever. And now I'm just like, nah, I'm good. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'll tell you, man, I like that October 21st and earlier belly crawl. I'm, I ran, you know, head to head with a rattlesnake in Western South Dakota here uh, five or six years ago. And man, before, before that ever happened, I was good. I, I didn't yeah. think about it. I just did it. I hadn't had that encounter yet. And now every time I start to think about it, I like, I can't get it out of my head, you know? And so right. it's, it's funny. Somebody will talk about hunting somewhere in a location or region there out West where you could potentially experience rattlesnakes. And, yeah. and I'll, the first thought that comes to my mind is like, man, I don't know. 70 degrees, yeah. 80 degrees, rattlesnakes in my yeah. face. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I really talk myself into it. Yeah. And antelope hunting, man, you pray for 80 degrees because you're out there when it's mm-hmm. 96 and 103 and in the little sweat lodge, they call Bacon it ground blind. Black line. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. And so it's, you know, not only that, uh, I, once again, I'm not so much, I don't like snakes. I I do not like snakes at all. So snakes bother me, but man, it's like everywhere out there, it's rocky, it's thorny. I mean, I, this year I, I got my antelope and, you know, I kicked some, some, uh, weeds to the side so I could sit down next to it. And literally, even when I put my, I had gloves on, I still put my hand down right in these, like, they look completely inert and then they're like stabbing it's like how the hell did i just put my hand in a whole you know mess of these nasty barbed things so yeah yeah those are no fun yeah well well laden what's the next thing you got coming up i mean what should we look for next episode next issue yeah well we got we got a couple things coming up um i guess issue wise uh we've got our november issue this is going to be hitting very soon this is north american whitetail and nice i don't know if people have noticed but you know haynes and blake and dale the whole team's been working to and rob our our creative director to to really like we were talking about turning that page a more aggressive and modern look to the brand and our logos and you know at the same time sticking true to that that running deer silhouette that is really you know if you had to give american whitetail a logo it's it and so we're, we're, we're doing a lot of things, but man, this is going to be a great issue. It's packed full of, of big deer from uh bow killed deer from Michigan to Kentucky to Ohio. And, and it's just, it, man, it's an outstanding, uh, if you want to see big non-typicals, this is probably our non-typical issue of the year. Um, wow. So that's coming uh, right around the corner. It'll be on newsstand shortly. Um, man, we've got season 19 of North American whitetail. We're just starting the second half of all of our originals on uh, sportsman's channel right now. So um, there's a fresh one this week that's starting here for Q4 and we'll roll out the rest of uh, Q4. I'm trying to think what else breaking news bucks. This is the time of year, man. If you're, if you're wanting to, if you're one of those guys that loves to see the latest and greatest when it comes to big deer that have just been taken, um, you know, go to North American Whitetail's website, go to our Instagram, go to our Facebook, make sure that you're following us or, or subscribing and uh, make sure that uh, you're paying attention, turn, turn your notification on so that we get, we hit your feed immediately because we're stacking out two, three, maybe even five a week right now, just depending wow. on how they're tagged. And so you'll see, like I said, I mean, there's a great big Missouri deer that was just taken in the last two or three days and it's floating around the internet a little bit. Um, I, you know, I'd encourage you to go check it out. Uh, if you, if you haven't checked out real trees, um, 
Instagram feed, they just put a post up on it yesterday. The guys at Respect Game TV put a post up on it because it's a brother of of one of the producers there on the show and nice. good people. It's I mean, it's going to be one that we're all going to be talking about for sure. And potentially the biggest deer of the year. Um, wow. So so we've got that rolling, man. And, you know, just pay attention to everything that's going on at NAW. And, and you know, can't thank everybody out there enough for continuing to support this brand in the way that they do and, and thinking, you know, organizations and partners like Pope and Young, um, because you guys are a vital part of, of who we are as, as bow hunters, um, at North American White, just individually, but also, you know, you're a big part of, of what we do with every issue of, uh, North American Whitetail and everything that we put out on uh, our website or, or social feeds, because, you know, everything that's bow taken, you guys are the scoring resource for it. And uh, we try to work as, as close as we can with you to promote not only the the organization and what you guys are doing right. and yourselves, um, you know, to be a part of the biennial here this last year and to see, you know, the, the I guess I would call it page turning and, and modernization for the club yourselves. You know, yeah. you get super active. Um, you're inclusive. You're trying to invite everybody in, even if they aren't a boat winner, you know, and just come be a part of the organization and the community. And so. Um, you know, we're, we're really thankful to be partners with you guys and celebrate Absolutely. what you're doing and, and just say thank you for what you're doing. Awesome. Well, no, it's a good partnership. And we're we're glad to have you on board. We're happy to see you in, in Reno last year. And you going to make it again this year or I next am, yeah. 23? I, okay. I just got my invite uh, via email, I think, two weeks ago. Is that right? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I just did in my email. It was two weeks ago. It came up. And so we were talking about that. We'll for, we'll for sure be there. Personally, I want to be there. I had such a great time with, you know, the whole crew that's there, everybody that comes in. And, um, you know, I, I know as a young man, I, I used to look at Pope and Young and think uh, that it was, it was more of kind of a, a you know, a boys club um, in some regards. And, and sure it was. That's kind of what makes it neat. But in some regards, but at the same time, like, man, what a great organization. And and I would tell anybody out there, don't be intimidated by it. And the second you walk no. in the, that biennial, you're going to see that everybody there is just like you, um, yep. if you're a hunter, you know, and a hunter and, uh, and approachable, the approachable. That's, yeah. Approachable. Yep. Yep. So I, I would encourage everybody and I'm sure everybody that's listening here already knows that, but, um, anybody beyond the Pope and Young Club or, or listeners here, man, I'd, Hey, take the time to call your local, local score, have a conversation with them, let them score your deer. Um, you know, take, take the time to hop on the website and check it out and, and understand who's involved and, you know, how many people that you probably wouldn't think of guys like Donnie Vincent or, you know, a Danny Ferris, yeah. the Hoyt bow hunting podcast, yeah. yep. TV, you know, like yeah, be, good friend. Yeah, man. Everybody that's involved. Um, there's a lot of good people here that, um, have been involved and and also have, you know, a spot in their soul for the organization and what you guys are doing. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, la- last question here, Layden. Mm-hmm. We ask every guest when you're out in the woods, whether you're chasing, you know, elk at 11,000 feet or whitetails in the back backwoods there on your lease, what is one piece of not, and I know you're in the industry and you're testing out all kinds of gear. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I can't wait for your hands. What is one piece of kind of non-traditional gear that you find in your pack every time you hit the woods? Oh man, non-traditional gear. Well, I've got, uh, I guess everybody kind of has their little good luck charms and I've got three little boys and a, a couple years ago, three years ago, they got me for father's day, a little book that's no bigger than that big. And it's, about 40 pages of little things that the three of them went in and wrote like, Hey, what's your favorite thing about dad? What, what's he look nice. like? What is he kind of thing? And 
you know, I think sometimes we get out there and especially doing what we're doing, where we're kind of grinding it out. And, you know, our hobby has kind of become a job, fortunately, um, but it, it has become yeah. a job sometimes. And, you know, just like any, any occupation, you have your, you know, your tough days. Um, but anytime I start thinking silly about things, uh, I just kind of pull that thing out and, and go through a couple of three or four or five pages. And um, it's my little good luck charm. So I really enjoy it. Nice. See, we, Dylan, we could do a whole podcast just on, on good luck stuff. Cause I yeah. believe in the, like, yeah, like sometimes I was with some guys and I was like, all right, man, it's, it's been a few days. We're not, we're not seeing elk. We're not hearing elk. I was like, all right, it's, it's fresh app Friday. And they're like, dude, it's Tuesday. I'm like, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> fresh app Friday, man. We ain't waiting until Friday to change it up. I said, everybody in camp today is wearing a different hat. Whatever hat you've been wearing, leave that in your tent. Let's take something else. And you know, I I'll be darned if, if, you know, we didn't start, start getting into animals that day. So it's, it's interesting. And sometimes you just got to shake it up. And sometimes it has nothing to do with that, but it just makes you feel better. Like, like, uh, I loaned a hat to a guy this year and, and Duke went out and shot his first elk ever with a bow, um, wearing this hat. And it was, you know, one of those things where, you cannot tell him to this day. He, in fact, he just called me the other day. You can't tell him to this day that that's not a lucky hat. That is mine. It is. So, but uh, anyway, well, Layden, hey, man, thanks for all you're doing for, you know, bow hunting. Obviously, you're a good ambassador for the sport. We appreciate your support. And, uh, man, keep doing what you're doing. It's exciting to see all those big bucks and, and what you guys are doing over at North American Whitetail. So, Thanks Thank for being you. thanks for being part of us. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Dylan. Appreciate you having me yeah. on and letting let me talk a little bit about the brand and uh, anything we can do to help you. Uh, and and all you listeners out there, man, if you, you have the opportunity to harvest that that white tail of a lifetime, please do us a favor, shoot us a note on it. We want to celebrate the deer and celebrate you know your hunting story as well, and and uh, work with Pope and Young to make sure that you get it officially scored and and officially in the record books. Yeah. Now, do you guys have a fork and horn section? <laughs> or I guess that'd be like a, 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 a four to six point. Do you have a six point? Yeah, we can do point? a world record six point. There's no doubt about that. I think it's worth, I think it's worth, I don't know that we've officially established that category, but okay. definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there, man. Like we talked I, about that early, nothing better than a big old, a big old six pointer in my, my opinion. So yeah. And, and maybe not even necessarily big, just, you know, like something, you know, more, yeah. Yeah. Yep. more manageable. Yeah. That's right. That's right, man. Yeah, I had a I had a buddy. He shot a orchid horn muley, and uh, and and it wasn't very big, but you know he was he was mean hunting, and and he says, "See, man," he said, "A lot of these guys, they can't fit their deer horns in the cooler." Yeah, and he's, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "Well, you can with plenty of room to spare, big guy." Yeah, so, I've, anyway. I've got a buddy. I've got a buddy like to say, "You can't eat the horns." You know? Yeah, That's, yeah. So, sure. All right. Well, Leighton, thanks a bunch, man. Appreciate you being here. Good yeah, luck like out there this fall. All right. We'll see you. Good luck to you guys, too. Yeah. See you in Reno.